Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, every single day I I get higher and higher on this Buffs football team, and I I think that I'm right. I think that this team is actually like it has a really good chance to be a really good football team, but then like I start thinking like okay well. Look around the rest of the conference. There's talent everywhere. But then you come back to it. It's like you have three NFL defensive linemen. That is a great starting point for a defense. You have an NFL linebacker behind them. And then you have a bunch of other pieces that I really like the talent with. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll get more into that idea later. But oh, I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm ready to start watching this team. Um, a couple of notes before we get into stuff today. So, no media availability tomorrow for football. I think it's an off day uh, for the football team. Um, but it is also the day of the first Buffs basketball practice. So, I'll be hearing from Tad Boyle and a couple of the players uh, tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. And so, tomorrow's podcast, we'll get to start talking about basketball again it's been a while since we've done that um too long honestly but that's kind of the plan going forward um basketball tomorrow then back to football i'll be going to a bunch of those basketball things anyway so we'll see what exactly this podcast turns into um but yeah before we get into what i just learned from uh carl Durrell and jalen sami and colby purcell i want to tell you more about green mountain dental group Green Mountain Dental is the place to go to get your teeth in tip-top shape. Uh, Our own Lindsay Sauer, our sales director, went out there to get her wisdom teeth pulled out a couple of months ago, and she said it was literally the best experience of her life with a dentist, Um, which is saying something because it does seem like that would be one of the worst experiences because like, it's getting a bunch of teeth pulled out of your face, so... Trust her judgment on that. Um, they're, they're good people to support. They're Colorado sports fans. It's a family-owned business. Um, and uh, also, they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Green Mountain Dental's located in Lakewood. It's about 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. Super convenient. So go get your free Sonicare toothbrush by scheduling a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. All right. Uh, Carl Durrell was first and he was pretty excited um you could tell you know today was the first day of pads 
which is a super fun day. And and Carl said that in this year in particular, when you've gone through everything that that football team has gone through with not knowing whether there was going to be a season to knowing that there wouldn't be a season until the spring and then seeing that get reversed and all of these things happening. Then you have the order with Boulder and a whole bunch of that crazy stuff to finally get pads on um, is a lot of fun. He said that they've been practicing in light bulbs before, which uh, he then had to explain was when you wear a helmet without pads because it's very like wide at the top, like a light bulb, and that kind of like gets skinnier because there are no pads there. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, I, I don't know if it really was. I, I laugh at pretty much any joke. Um, so yeah, he said that there was a pretty physical practice. They spent a lot of time doing one-on-ones, um, just like wide receivers versus corners, you know, running backs versus linebackers, offensive linemen, defense, all that kind of stuff. Um, just making people do what they're supposed to do when they wear pads. Um, and he said that he saw a lot of the competitiveness that he was looking for, uh, which is what you want to hear. You can't ask for too much more than guys being fired up and getting ready to hit each other and do their job. You know, you want them to be excited about this. It sounds like they were, um, he, uh, he said that he had wanted more physicality from his corners, um, which is interesting. I, I think what he said was that he had seen it on tape before that they could be physical, but so far in camp, maybe they weren't quite so physical. And today he finally saw that again from them, them getting up and hitting guys, which is what you want to hear. Again, it's the first day in pads. You don't want to hear that a group has had kind of a slow start. They've been a little bit soft. Um, and we don't know that it's a slow start. That's my kind of, that's my guess almost, but, um, it is good to hear that once the pads came on, they were, uh, physical. He also said that he's been spending some time with the receivers, which is all I've wanted to hear from Carl Durrell since he was hired. Um, because he is one of the best receivers coaches alive. Like, there's a reason that everywhere he went in the NFL, I mean, you go with his most recent stop with Miami. Remember when Devontae Parker was a bust and now he's one of the best receivers in the league? Who was the receivers coach that made that happen? Carl Durrell. You can go all the way back through. Um, for you Bronco fans, uh, Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey were the first duo to each have a thousand receiving yards in a season. That was back in like 2000 or something. Carl Durrell was that receivers coach. Like, you look at everywhere where he coached receivers and great things happen. It makes sense. Like, running those West Coast offenses, like, he did become one of those premier guys at doing that stuff. Um, And to hear him, I think it was Justin Guerrero of Rivals who said, um, like, do you find yourself gravitating toward them during practice? He was like, oh, yes, I do. Like, like, I said, like, that's my first stop every day. Go over there, look at the receivers, talk to the receivers, see if we can work on some things. And to me, it's just like a perfect fit um, to have Darren Cheverini serve as the receivers coach and the offensive coordinator so that y- it's not that you want him out of the way, but it just fits really well. Like, you'd, you'd much rather have the receivers coach be the guy who's spending some time thinking about the offense as a whole instead of just his receivers when your head coach is a receivers coach, then you would want a uh, you know tight ends coach. 
or I guess that's such a similar position. That was the worst choice. Um, you know, an offensive line coach. Because then you don't have Carl Durrell who can just be like, oh, yeah, I can spend more time with these guys. I mean, not that he couldn't coach up some offensive linemen. Like, he's a good football coach. But, you know, it's it's just a perfect fit. Um, and I think that it will be very good for all of the receivers to have Carl Durrell around. This isn't a knock on Chev, by the way. But I, I'm, I'm excited to hear. Um, like I said yesterday, we put in our request for people we wanted to talk to this week. Yesterday, um, it was actually kind of fun to put together that list. I just came up with like six or seven guys, and I was like, okay, of the entire team, who do I want to hear from? And one of them was Dimitri Stanley. Um, and, and so at some point this week, we should be hearing from Dimitri Stanley, and I'll be curious to hear, and Daniel Arias. I put him on my list too. I, I want to hear what they have to say about uh, Carl Durrell and everything else that's going on at that position um, because that is one of the best groups on the team. And Carl said that it is incredibly deep, that there are so many guys who are capable of helping a football team at this level. And there are so many young guys who will be contributing. And young guys, this is what he said, there will be young guys who are going to be pushed to be contri- or pushing to be contribut- contributors as well as some of the young guys who are already contributors, you know, like Dimitri Stanley, for example. So, you know, I guess the point here, there are two points. The first is that I'm very, very, very happy that Carl Durrell is spending time with these receivers. And he did say, you know, that he starts there and he goes around and works with other groups and talks with other groups and watches and does all that kind of stuff. But it all does start with the receivers, um, and that is what I want to hear more than anything. Um, the second point is that I am very, very, very happy that Carl Durrell is impressed with these receivers because that man knows good receivers. And if he says that this is a deep group and there's a bunch of contributors, then this is a very deep group with a lot of contributors. Um, and that's exciting. You know, the quarterback situation will really determine how valuable those receivers can be. But you look around and and you could make a case that this will be a, I mean, a pretty easily top half of the Pac-12 group if things go well. Um, and maybe even top three. You know, USC is going to be tough to beat. They have a, they have a legitimate first-round talent and they have depth around them. Um, they have a couple guys who are going to get drafted in the first couple days of the draft. So they have to be number one. Um, I'm just trying to think like Arizona, I wouldn't Arizona state has some dudes, but I I don't think I'd give them the edge Utah. I wouldn't, um, UCLA. I don't know enough about those receivers knowing the rest of the team though. I would, I, I would say I'd like Colorado's, um, Oregon lost a couple of guys. I don't know. I, I think that there is a very high ceiling for that group but like I said it is dependent on the quarterback play so we'll see before Carl logged off though um not logged off passed the headset to Curtis Snyder the SID who's um there to facilitate things and also sanitize the headsets so that he can then pass it off to the next guy who was Jalen Sami um Carl did talk a little bit about Jalen Sami and basically said, like, that's that's a, a guy who could play at the next level. And we've been very impressed, and he has the right attitude, and he's still a very young guy. But 
you can kind of project him out to the next level. Um, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Because when you think about it, I mean, Mustafa, he will get a shot in the NFL. He's going to get drafted. I'm confident in that. Jalen Sami, I mean, there aren't many people alive who are six foot six and 325 pounds and uh, have all of the other talents that Jalen has. So why not? Especially if Carl Durrell says he thinks so. Like, I, I'm not going to say no. And he's working with Chris Wilson, too. And then Terrence Lang, who, you know, is actually six foot seven. And, like, I think, was he listed 280 or 285? Um, six, seven, 285. Again, NFL body. Maybe put a couple more pounds on him. All he needs to do is produce. If he goes out there, I think last year it was four tackles for loss, four sacks. He bumps that up to six and six. I think that, I mean, I guess he has one more year, two more years because of the NCAA's eligibility rules. And that's, I guess that's what's really crazy. You know, if he goes from four and four to five and five to six and six, then yeah, that that's a, that's just a nice linear growth that would likely, in my opinion, get him to the next level. If he makes a leap, then that's when you could be talking about something special or, you know, there's no guarantee that he would improve, but I I expect it. Um, I think that's what gets me so excited um, is just looking at this defense, just starting up front. In my opinion, you have three NFL players. At linebacker, you have Nate, who's an NFL player. Um, how productive he is in the NFL, that's a question just like any of the three defensive linemen. But he's somebody who is going to get that shot. Next to him, Akil Jones. You know, if he takes a step forward, then he'll have a chance. You know, it could also be one of the other guys, Marvin Ham, John Van Deest, and who knows there too. Then you look at the outside linebackers. You know, Carson Wells didn't produce last year like I think people expected. Um, he did a lot of things that made a lot of people really excited about him as a freshman and then in his sophomore year. Um, stagnated. Um, maybe even took like a small step back, at least statistically. Um, but he he flashed early in his career, and sometimes guys don't, you know, growth isn't always linear. It isn't always going to be what I was talking about with uh, Terrence Lang. And now as a junior, he has a chance to improve. Oh, look at these numbers now. Five and a half tackles for loss as a freshman, two as a sophomore, uh, three and a half sacks as a freshman, zero as a sophomore. He did have an interception, broke up a pass as a sophomore. Scheme change might play something into that. Um, played three fewer games. Um, so it, it was kind of a down year. But then you also have Guy Thomas, a guy who I'm really excited about. Somebody who I put on my list of guys I want to talk to this week because I'm excited about him. Jamar Montgomery right there. But, you know, you look at Guy Thomas. I wonder what is he listed at on here? Guy Thomas, 6'4", 230. That's, that's good size for an outside linebacker. Um, Jason Harris could factor in already. And then the secondary. We spend a lot of time talking about the secondary. Um, no idea where anybody's going to fit, but I think that Mark Perry is on a great path just looking at the body type, and that's like the first box you have to check all the way through the skills and all of that sort of thing. If he does what he's capable of he could be a, a next level player you know chris miller 
not quite as big, but could be that type of guy as well. You know, those cornerbacks. I, this defense has a chance to be a really good defense. And they made a huge change that I think will be the difference between what happened last year and what's going to happen this year. Um, and I'm going to tell you what that is after I talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Breckenridge Brewery is the Colorado beer. It's the official beer of DNVR. It's, uh, you know, it started in Littleton. It like, or I guess I don't think it started in Littleton. Did it start in Breckenridge? It might have started. I know that they there's like the Cherry Cricket that's on um, Blake Street. That used to be Breckenridge Brewery, but I'm not sure all the steps they take or took. But now they're down in Littleton, um, all in Colorado all the way through, I should say. And they just are a good Colorado company. Um, if you want to try their beers, then you can do that in 36 different states. To figure out what the easiest way to do that is, you can go to the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website, and it'll tell you exactly where you can pick up whatever beer it is that you do want to try, um, whether it's the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Strawberry Sky, the Hot Peak IPA. There's so many options, and it'll tell you what, which stores you go to to pick up whatever it is that you do want to try if you go to that um beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Also, uh, week five of football is in the books, and now it's time to... Actually, it's not, is it? Well, it's mostly in the books. It will be really in the books. Wait, it's day the 12th. I'm supposed to... No? Eh, I don't know. Uh, But there is still that Tuesday night game that really throws off all the plans. We have the fantasy show, the live show that we do at DNVR um, every Tuesday. And tonight... We get to start it extra late because we have to do it after this 5 o'clock football game ends on a Tuesday. Crazy stuff. Uh, 2020. But uh, week 5 of football is almost in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week 6. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week 6, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. On top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all you basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, so the one big change, and we've talked about this a little bit, but talking to Jalen Sami today, he did clarify. Um, it is a change from a two-gap scheme to a one-gap scheme up front. And I love that so much. Um, We've talked about the difference between, like, two-gap and one-gap repeatedly on this podcast, probably, like, five times, just scattered. Like, it comes up, like, once every couple of months. Um, 
and this will be like the second time in like two weeks that we talk about it. Um, but for those of you who haven't been listening to this podcast for that long, uh, the basic difference is this. Um, in a two-gap scheme, each defensive lineman is responsible for two gaps. So you're just trying to clog those gaps. Typically, you stay on the blocker. So in Jalen Sami's case, the nose tackle, he'd line up over the center and he'd just basically stay on the center. And he wouldn't try to like get past the center to go blow up the run. He'd maybe try to push the center backwards a little bit, but he'd wait for the running back to pick a hole. And if he picked the hole to Jalen's left, he'd try to get off and make the tackle. If he picked the hole to the right, then he'd get off and make the tackle on that side. Um, but mostly you just filter the play back to the linebackers so that the linebackers can come up and kind of fill those spots. In a one-gap scheme, though, the difference is that each defensive lineman is responsible for one of the gaps. The other gaps, because, I mean, in this scheme, there's like, what, there's three defensive linemen, but the two outside linebackers can kind of be seen as defensive linemen. Typically, you only have one of those outside linebackers on the field, even though they're both listed as starters, because you have your star, your nickel defender, your fifth defensive back on the field instead of one of them. Um, and so let's just say, like, there are four guys up front. Those four guys would be um, like your defensive end might go on the left side. He might be in charge of keeping guys inside the tackle, you know, kind of containing that edge. His gap is technically like outside of the tackle. Um, the next guy in the defensive tackles um, gap could be um, the gap between the guard and the tackle, or it could be the center and the guard, depending on how it's all structured. But the point is they'll cover like four of those gaps and then the linebackers have their own gap responsibilities. Um, so like Nate Landman might be responsible for one of the A gaps. And that means that on running plays, he doesn't flow with the play and try to get to the running back wherever the running back goes. He puts his head down and hits that gap. And as long as everybody does their job, every gap will be accounted for and none of those holes will be open for a running back. He'll just be hit at the line every single time. The other advantage is that you don't have to be so patient when playing as a pass rusher. So if, if you're Jalen Sami, for example, in that one-gap scheme where you're kind of like waiting on that center for the running back to make a decision, you're just trying to keep that center from going downfield. You're just trying to keep your arms wide so that the running back won't take either of the gaps, maybe, you know, that kind of stuff. Instead, he knows, okay, I have to take this gap to the left of the center, and no matter what the play is offensively, he's just going to charge through. Now, for somebody like Nate Landman, he might have coverage responsibilities on a passing play, so he might have to read run or pass, and if he reads pass, drop back into his zone or cover whoever he's responsible for in man coverage, or he could read run and hit his gap and try to blow up the run. This should lead to so many more splash plays for the defense. And that's what Jalen Sami said, too. Like, the whole point, what Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach, who's an incredibly well-established defensive line coach, he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles a couple years ago as their defensive line coach. That's with, like, Chris Long and Fletcher Cox and, you know, Timmy Jernigan was a lot better than he is right now for the Broncos. Credit to Chris Wilson, you know. There were a lot of defensive linemen who kind of did overperform under Chris Wilson, um, and that led to a Super Bowl. 
and something similar could be happening at Colorado. You know, Chris Wilson, he did the same thing at Colorado. And we talked about this when we talked to Chris a couple days ago, but he was here in the early 2000s, like with McChesney and Justin Bannon and all those guys. So that alone should get you excited. If he says this is the way to do it, then again, it's like Carl Durrell and receivers. That is the way to do it. Um, but what Jalen saw me getting back to the the end of the sentence that I started when I jumped into Chris Wilson, um, what Jalen Sami said was what Chris Wilson's trying to teach him is that if you can just knock them backwards on first and second down, well, then all of a sudden it's third and long. Instead of trying to play that two-gap style and maybe the first run is for two yards and the second run's for two yards and it's third and six, well, if you can stop them for a loss of two and zero, well, then all of a sudden it's third and 12 and you just doubled that distance. And so there are flaws, you know, if somebody doesn't make their assignment or doesn't fulfill their assignment, then there could be a wide open running lane with nobody there. Um, you kind of relying on your safeties in that point to stop any huge plays. So it is kind of boom or bust, and that's why more teams don't run it. But it has been successful. I mean, Broncos fans, that's what the Broncos did. That was a one-gap scheme when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Every player just hit their gap, and typically they just rush six. And no matter what, those six players were just boom, just going straight into the backfield through their gap, either stopping the run or getting to the quarterback. Because they had five defensive backs who could line up one-on-one with the five skill position players and feel like they would win that matchup. So I really like this. I really like this because I think that the defense was so close last year and they really didn't produce all that many splash plays. Nate Landman um, actually tied with Davion Taylor for the most um, tackles for loss for the Buffs last year with eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. There were twenty-four players in the Pac-12 that had more tackles for loss than the Buffs' top tackle for loss player. You got to do better than that. You just have to do better than that. Um, in terms of sacks, Terrence Lang was uh, the top for the Buffs with five, um, and he had he was 11th. So I, I wish that I could pull up quickly just the total tackles for loss and sacks for each team. There's got to be a way. One second. Okay, so for sacks, only Arizona, Arizona State, and Washington State had fewer sacks than Colorado last year. And I can't find numbers for tackle for loss. Um, But the point is that, sure, there were problems getting off the field on third down. But what if you just made the third downs longer? And and I think that that's kind of the point of this whole thing. Um, I'm really excited about it. You know, it it will be interesting for a guy like Jalen, somebody who is bigger. I mean, in the running game, he shouldn't have any problems, though. If he's not letting anybody get between the center and the guard, he's not letting anybody get between the center and the guard. You know, you do worry a little bit about the explosiveness when when you have that type of body. Um, When you are 325 pounds, that's a lot of weight to carry. But 
he should be able to at least fill the hole. The question, I guess, is can he fill the hole and then take a step and get to the quarterback or, or get into the backfield and get a stop? And really, that's not necessarily his role. You know, as a nose tackle, it's rare that you get somebody who can do all the things Jalen Sami does and is that explosive. Now, if he does it, all of a sudden he's more than just a future NFL guy or somebody who's on the way to likely being an NFL guy. He, he's somebody who you look at and be like, okay, this is a star in the Pac-12. You know, this is a J2 Fele type um, at USC. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. I was really excited hearing Sami talk about it. Um, anything else from him? That was the big point that I took away, obviously. Um, he did say that he feels like he knows a lot going into the season because of all the Zoom calls, because of all the time that they've spent talking instead of actually playing football. So that's good, and we'll see what that looks like. I'd guess that that's probably true of most of the conference, but definitely a good thing to hear. Before we move on, I want to tell you guys about World Golf Tour WGT is the official gaming partner of DNVR, and it's also the most popular golf game in the world. It has become so popular that we've opened a third DNVR clubhouse, and each clubhouse holds 250 people. So if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can download WGT and join the DNVR3 clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com. We'll host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways, so make sure you're signed up to win easy money and easy DNVR swag. We just had our first major of the year last week, and the prizes were incredible. Uh, the first place prize was $200 in cash. Second place prize was $100 in cash. And third place got a uh, package of DNVR swag. So, again, download WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com and join the DNVR3 clubhouse so that you guys can play um, with each other uh, it's a lot of fun like i said tournaments every week there are majors occasionally and those are the ones where the prizes get awesome um, it's the most realistic free golf game more than 20 million players around the world you can play all sorts of different game modes stroke play match play skins closest to the hole whatever you want you know top golf is in there um, you can play pebble beach beth page black st andrews band and dudes and you can use real equipment from your favorite brands, including Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, and more. So, go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. All right. Um, talk to Colby Purcell. He was happy. He was energetic. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this offensive line after talking to him. Um, it's so great to, ha to have that offensive line working with that defensive line because, like Carl Durrell said, like those are two of the better groups on the team, maybe the two best groups on the team. You know, it just fits perfectly to have those two go up against each other uh, all day, every day, and uh, see what happens. Um, kind of in the same way that it's good to have those receivers go up against those defensive backs. You know, because they are so talented, but also pretty young. And I think that they can provide challenges for each other. Um, so Colby had his gallbladder removed last year. I think it, it was like 370 days ago. Um, he played five games last year before that. Um, he was the starter at guard. Before that, he was starting at center. 
And uh, so far, he's mostly been working at center this year. A 6'4", 305, he's a junior. Um, and that means he's been going up against Jalen Sami pretty much all day. Um, what else did he say? He said he feels good. Uh, he does have some like little injury things. Uh, we heard about that um, from Carl. And, and Carl was talking about how they've tried to make things easy for him. And Carl basically said, like, he knows what he's doing. He's a good football player. We need him on the field, and that's what's most important right now is making sure that we can have him on the field for six or seven games. So he might get some rest during practice. Um, he, he's had knee issues. He's had some of that sort of stuff with his body. So that... Uh, that is kind of the storyline to follow there. Otherwise, he should be one of the anchors of a, a good offensive line. Um, he worked differently this offseason like a lot of guys did. He said he built like his own squat rack, like built it himself um, with like the hammers and all the things that you use to build something like that. Um, did stuff like put like concrete in buckets and he would lift that. Um, the water jugs, like the ones that you put in like a water cooler, like lifting that kind of stuff. And he said it worked for him. He said that like working out that way um, is valuable. And it was because he didn't have access to a gym. He also said he made him really appreciate what he does have here at Colorado. And he thought that that was true for a bunch of guys. Um, he, uh, let's see, what else? Um, Oh, he said that because there are a few guys leaving um, with Arlington Hambright and Tim Lanott being the two starters who are leaving along with uh, Jack Shutak, um, he said he's been happy with the way that guys are stepping up. Um, and he brought this up himself. And uh, specifically like them asking questions, you know, going out, being more proactive in their approach. Um you know, he talked about himself, you know, going through all the things he had to go through to get any sort of workout uh, over the summer. He said that it was kind of nice just to be pushing himself, you know, instead of having like a coach say, go do this, go do that. Go. It was like, okay, I need to take ownership of this and spend my time doing what it takes to make myself a good football player. And he said that that was kind of the vibe throughout the entire group, um, which is good. And he said that guys are talented. Um, he's impressed that way as well. And also he, he ended things by talking about how the group will be structured. You know, he, he basically said, sure, there are guys who have started games here before, but all that really matters is who are the best guys during this camp, because those are the guys that are going to be on the field. Like it's cool that you got to go start some games. You got some real experience. But also what really matters is who's going to be the best this season. And there might be some newcomers who wind up being the best option. They might have great camps and go out there and win those jobs. And it is going to be very competitive. And it has been competitive. And that's what you want to hear there too. Um, I'm excited. And, you know, we've talked about this group before. But the offensive line, the defensive line, that's where you should see the strengths this season and see the buffs take advantage of what they have there you know through running the ball um through stopping the run being able to commit more players to coverage or blitz some players 
and really get good penetration defensively. Um, Carl Durrell, the first time we talked to him during camp, um, these were the two groups that he said he was most impressed with. Um, they're, the, they're the most veteran groups, the trustworthy groups. And he said, you know, as a first-year head coach here, you really couldn't ask for any more than having depth and talent up front. So a lot of good signs, a lot of good signs. Um, I think that's it for today. I didn't see any comments. I'll pull those up real quick. Uh, if you guys have any comments, you can go to the dnvr.com and find like the post for today's show and leave a comment and I will read it on tomorrow's episode of the DMVR Buffs podcast. We are getting a bunch of new listeners. So I should say, um, first of all, we appreciate you, but also if you're a member uh, at, at DNVR, uh, at thednvr.com, you get a whole bunch of things, including the access to comment on these podcasts, ask questions, leave your thoughts, start discussion. You also get into the DNVR lounge, um, which is a discord server. There's channels for all the different teams. There's also like gaming music, WGT, uh, betting, fantasy, golf. Um, but the Buffs channel has been really active with Buffs fans talking Buffs. So come join us. It's a lot of fun. Um, also, you'll get like the more detailed reports from camp that I'll be writing every day. Um, and yeah, that's about it. A couple comments from yesterday, uh, starting with B Mixer. Good to hear you actually talking about CU again. I think all three quarterbacks, yeah, we spent a lot of time on coronavirus and um, fantasy football, but I think all three quarterbacks will play this year, especially if Neuer and Lytle struggle and the team is having an awful season. The only way that changes for me is if Lytle blows the doors off and CU is having a great season and the offense is really clicking. I'm not that confident that Neuer will be the man. What is your take on Langsdorf? Is he like Johnson or does he come across as different? So Jay Johnson was the quarterback's coach last year. Um, let's start at the top here. So you think all three quarterbacks play? I mean, I could totally see it. I could totally see it. Especially, you know, we've talked about the the possibility for the Buffs to have a package for Brendan Lewis just because he does so many different things. Um, he can run the ball. He, he just provides a different sort of threat than the other two can provide. So if you think about him running that package, it could be Lytle and Neuer is one and two out the gate. Knock on wood, but if something happens to the starter, I could see a world in which Brendan Lewis is still running his packages, but is the third string starting quarterback. And so I think it's possible. Um, yeah, Lytle could blow the doors off. I don't know. I I'm not going to sleep on Lytle. I know he didn't win the backup job last year, likely didn't win the backup job last year, but he's a veteran and he's been around and he has your leadership traits. He's played quarterback, um, well, I guess only for four years at CU This instead of five because one was at safety. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, Lytle could be the guy. It's just kind of crazy. Um, is Langsdorf like Johnson? Does he come across as different? Um, one big difference. So I guess Jay Johnson, I, not only was he quarterback's coach, he was also the offensive coordinator. And so 
that is a, a semi different role. I would say that Danny is a bit more open, a little bit more loose. Not that Jay was like super uptight, um, but just personality wise, a little bit more on the more military side than the hippie side. If, if that's like the entire spectrum, I feel like that is the spectrum though, isn't it? Like way on one side, military way on the other is hippie in terms of personality. They're both like more on the military side than like the hippie side. But Jay kind of does skew a little bit further that way. Danny, uh, you know, he was telling jokes, you know, um, not like doing like a stand up, but, but, you know, just like fun little having conversation. Um, whereas Jay was a little bit tighter. I don't know. In terms of coaching style, it's so tough to have any sort of idea what the difference is because we don't get to go to practices and I, I don't know what they're saying I, I can say that the quarterbacks have said that Danny does things differently and they would know because they've gone through a few uh quarterbacks coaches um I guess what Danny really focuses accuracy footwork um that kind of stuff I don't know that's that's a tough question a good question but a tough question a silver buff says, got to think that if Neuer doesn't win the starting job, he may just graduate and maybe transfers for his remaining eligibility. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of that, but you could totally see it. Uh, again, this year doesn't count for eligibility. So if he doesn't get the job, yeah, he, he could say next up for me, like I still want a chance. I still have one more try at college football. Let's go find somewhere I can go. Um yeah, Lytle still having three years complicates the quarterback battle for a while. Does he play all three? Then Lewis takes over for two. Is there a different ratio? Does a new guy take over above Lewis? So let, let's say Lytle does win the job and becomes the starter for the next few years. So Lytle plays 2020 um, as a junior. He'd play 2021 also as a junior. And then he'd play 2022 as a senior. So the Brendan Lewis could start playing 2023. So next year, 2021, Brendan would be a true freshman again. 2022, he'd be a redshirt freshman. 2023, redshirt sophomore. So he'd be redshirt sophomore. So he'd be three years, right? Because he technically has six years yeah so so it could be three and three for Lytle and Lewis or it could be Lewis for five but you he would need the red shirt to get that to be able to play six years down the line that's so crazy to think about but um yeah I mean three and three would work um does a new guy take over above Lewis who knows yeah that I mean also true um they are bringing in more quarterbacks. There will be competition. And, and it is an interesting place because I, I think unless Tyler Lytle really does tear things up this year, I would kind of guess that the job is up for grabs again next season. Um, but so much is up in the air. And, and to make that happen, I mean, what would need to happen is Tyler Lytle completes 55% of his passes you know, 200 yards a game, um, 
maybe uh, let's say was it seven games they'll play this year so 10 touchdowns eight interceptions with a stat line like that and if brendan lewis does take a pretty good step forward during spring ball then yeah i think the job would be up for grabs now if tyler completes like 65 percent of his passes uh, goes for what was it seven games so say 14 touchdowns so two per game with five interceptions, that's where you might just say, like, yeah, he's our guy. It's good. It's going to be a tough situation for these coaches. I will say that because you look at Brendan Lewis and all the things that he does, and it's very easy to get excited about him. Tyler Lytle, it's, it's tougher to get excited just because he has been around for a while, and it's not his fault that he never got the starting job. You know, Steven Montez was the guy, but he didn't get the starting job at, at this point in his career, and so I think... In terms of upside, I'm not sure that it really does change things all that much, but it feels like it does. Um, it is kind of interesting, you know, seeing, like, like for example, like Brian Howell, I saw him tweet yesterday, like, you know, I've seen, I've seen Sam Neuer here for five years. It would make my heart feel good if he got a chance to be the starting quarterback. That is a very real thing, and I think that there is something to that. You know, we talked about the competitiveness at the start of this show um, with Carl Durrell saying that he was looking for competitiveness when they got the pads on and he saw it and he was happy he saw it. That's what is most important. Like you just want somebody who wants the job. That's the first box that needs to be checked. Somebody who wants to go out there and take that job and, and really, really cares about getting it. And it's, you know, I don't want to take shots at Steven Montez, but, you know, that was always kind of the knock on him was that he was a little bit laid back. He was a little bit of a bro, you know, the relationship with, like, the fraternity and that kind of stuff. Whereas Sam Neuer, somebody who's been working for five years and may finally get his shot, he might have a little bit more of that personality that says, like, we are going to go win this game, like, because of just the struggle that he had to go through to get to this point. Um, you know... I obviously didn't pay too much attention because I wasn't. I didn't have any reason to pay attention to Colorado football when uh, Lufau was here. But you know, in going back and watching, you see whatever that drive is to like want to be there, want to go win football games, and like just like passion, competitiveness. You know, I I do wonder if there is some of that in Sam Neuer, and that maybe that might be more important than accuracy, you know, because like I said, that competitiveness, the desire to want to be the guy to go win football games, like that is the first box that needs to be checked. And nobody really talks about that because typically guys have that box checked. You know, you don't see guys who are just like passive and it's like, eh, you know, the Broncos with Paxton Lynch, he was one of those guys where sure you can look at all the other things, but if he doesn't have like that fire, then what are you really going to ever get out of him? What are your expectations? You know, and I think that that will play a part, especially in a season like this. Who can get guys fired up and get them to believe that they can go win six straight games? Because that's what this is about. Because this is probably the best opportunity that Colorado's had in a while 
to be on the national stage, which is crazy to say because they lost their head coach and they lost their quarterback and they lost their best football player by a wide, wide margin in LaVisca Chenault. But only needing to win these six games to get yourself into a Pac-12 title game with, in my opinion, a, a trip to the college football playoff on the line, it's six games. It's not like a normal year where you have to win 12 games or 10 of 12 games, 11 of 12 games. And if you can just get guys fired up and go out there and fight, I think you can make some noise this season, um, especially the way the schedule opens up. Um, and when we've talked about it, but when your season starts at home against UCLA, you have an opportunity to start 1-0. and And I don't think that that is lost on this team. Go to Stanford. There's no reason you can't win that game. You beat Arizona State last year. Why can't you beat them when they come to Folsom? You know, then you get into USC, but then Arizona, Utah. If if you start this season one and zero, then you have a chance to get to two and zero, and then you get a chance to go to three and zero. And that's the way football works. I know, but the schedule does line up pretty well for the Buffs to have an opportunity. As much as I want to see Brendan Lewis play football, and this isn't to say that he doesn't have like that drive or whatever we're going to call it, it's just to say like he's a freshman and there are going to be growing pains. And is he going to be like a big rah rah guy as the 18 year old in a huddle full of 22 year olds? It's tough to do. Sam Neuer, though, I think could go take charge and maybe go win you some football games. And Tyler Lytle as well. Tyler Lytle has been around a while as well. Um, I don't know. But don't let this year go to the go to waste because it is an opportunity. Even if you go 3-3, three and three, that makes recruiting a whole lot easier. It's a lot easier to sell what you have going on. And I think this defense... This defense, here, here's the thing. So this defense will get people fired up. People will obviously want to come join this defense if it does what it's capable of doing, especially because there will be room to add more people in the near future. You know, it's not like these guys are going to be here forever. Nate's gone, I think, after this year. I don't think he comes back for a, a second senior season. I think Mustafa's gone. I don't think Terrence Lang is gone. Um, I guess Darren Rakestra has to be gone. So there will be holes immediately, but then the next year after that is when you start to see even more holes. And the def- selling guys on joining this defense, if they do what they can do, will not be hard. Joining, having guys join this team to be receivers has proven to not be hard. Or either that or Darren Cheverini is just a genius at it. Um, then you just need to fill out your quarterback and... Your your floor is, okay, well, let's see what we have in Brendan Lewis, and I don't think that's much of a floor a year from now, two years from now. At running back, you'll still have a shot Clayton. The tight ends that you're finally, like, bringing in should be doing something. You know, it's it's easy to see how you could parlay this success into more success, and this shortened season gives you an opportunity to go out there and win four games because it is such a small sample size. Um, it's not that this team wouldn't go compete for a Pac-12 title. Like they, 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 they could compete in a normal year. Carl Durrell seems convinced, and if he's convinced, then you got to at least give him a shot. But you do look at what's going on with the roster and compare it to other rosters and say it would be an uphill climb at the very least. Just take advantage of this season. 
um, and see what happens. Um, okay, that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions, any comments, you can leave them in the post for today's show at ddmvr.com. You do have to be a member to do that, um, but uh, I really appreciate when you guys do because I like to hear from you. So I'll be back tomorrow probably talking mostly about basketball and then uh, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and all those days we'll keep talking um, because it's camp and camp is fun. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.